if you haven't yet dialed yourself in on the exact problem that you solve for your audience. If you haven't yet communicated the way that in an influential framework, you can align your message specifically to what their problem internal dialogue is, and then activate a system to consistently communicate that in a way where now you have them rehearsing the sale, it doesn't matter whether or not your pricing ends in this number or that number. Here's the hard truth. People are conditioned to ignore your marketing message. Most of the stuff you'd create doesn't get read, doesn't get watched, and ultimately, nobody buys from it. I'm Jason Lynette, and I'm here to help you stop being the best kept secret to the people you know you can help. If you're a business owner, and if you're ready to cut through the overwhelm of launching something that creates massive impact and brings in an awesome income, you are in the right place. Welcome to Attract Pre-Sold Clients. I couldn't believe what I was hearing as she revealed to me privately that she had to open up a brand new credit card, otherwise they were to turn off her power and she couldn't even buy groceries. Up until this moment, this, this woman was someone that I'd looked up to as an industry leader. She was, in my head, I believed, one of the most successful people that I knew. Everyone sang her praises. Everybody referenced her books. And yet this new credit card had to be opened up because in her words, she was broke. Now, before you make any judgments, the typical stereotypes were not the case here. She wasn't being wasteful with her money. She wasn't dining out for every meal. It wasn't the stereotype of buying the expensive Starbucks coffee every single day. She wasn't gambling it away. No, it was the fact that even though she was an industry leader, she was charging, get this, only like $40 for a private session. She would do these coaching sessions where you would sit with her. You would get her undivided attention for like an hour and a half. And the payment, just 40 bucks. The new credit card had to be opened up to cover essential bills. She had to keep her power on. She had to be able to buy food to eat. Yet, really, if you think about it, this wasn't going to solve any problems. Now, was it? No, it was just going to dig her even deeper into this financial hole. And we connected and I worked with her on adjusting something that was a bit different than what she expected. We worked together on the influential messaging as to what she did. And here's the thing. If you can't yet sell it to yourself, how could you ever expect that you could sell it to somebody else? So while yes, we tweaked the messaging and we tweaked the marketing and the big promises she was offering to her audiences, I have to tell you here, I think the bigger breakthrough was the fact that she started to believe in what she did even more. And as we finally came around to looking at the pricing structure, there was that moment where she says to me, okay, I'm gonna trust you, but if this doesn't work, can we go back to what I had before? And I said, of course, let's run this though and see what happens because the new rate structure was actually more than three times what she was doing before. As I have conversations with some of you, sometimes it's the, let me just raise it by $10 and see what happens. Oh no, we did a big jump. We raised the rates more than three times more what she was doing before. And I got to tell you, her biggest fear was that people would stop booking altogether. You could probably assume the reason I'm telling you this story is that it was a very different result. People booked with her 
even more. Now, I guess it's true, the classic phrase nowadays, that people who pay, pay attention, though as you stick with me inside of this, you're going to see that there's some other elements that need to be addressed, because this week, we're going to talk about how to raise your prices, and yes, have your audience love you for it. Now, before we get started here, I feel the need to give a quick disclaimer that you should not just become expensive for the sake of becoming expensive. You should not just increase your price only for creating the perception of quality if you're not yet willing to provide the quality. You know, don't just create a high-ticket offer because you want to get paid at a high-ticket rate. That's one of the bigger problems that's part of this pricing conversation. And again, this week is raise your prices and have your audience love you. It's a very different conversation, though you need to make sure that you're making the judgment on the pricing structure based upon the right parameters. Because if you haven't yet dialed yourself in on the exact problem that you solve for your audience, if you haven't yet communicated the way that in an influential framework, you can align your message specifically to what their problem internal dialogue is, and then activate a system to consistently communicate that in a way where now you have them rehearsing the sale, it doesn't matter whether or not your pricing ends in this number or that number. It doesn't matter that you're offering it as a single pay or this two pay or three pay installment option. Really, if we rewound back for a quick moment, I just said a whole bunch of words about aligning your message influential communication, having your audience rehearsing the sale. And if only there were three simple words that basically sum that up. And if only we didn't also name our company and this podcast the same thing, you know, attract pre-sold clients. It comes back more so to the communication. It comes back more to the specific way that we're telegraphing the value of what we do and even more so the journey we're going to be taking them on. It's not about the number of sessions. Now, though that is important, it does need to be clarified at some point. It's not just about the quality of the videos and maybe the number of videos in the library if you're a product creator. Though again, that does need to be addressed at some point because the quality audience you attract, you know, you could run into a scenario, and I've seen this before, where the pricing is put up at a certain point and it just doesn't match up to that and really create a false sense of success because yes, there is a sort of more, let's say upper middle class audience, a more sophisticated audience perhaps, who is used to making some sort of investment in themselves and their business and their health and whatever your audiences may be. Yet it begins to create this false bias because it's just the people who actually have the money who respond but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're your best clients, right? It doesn't necessarily gonna mean that they're the people who are gonna be the most successful with you. Though again, on that level of wealth, on that level of investment, I will point out, and don't let this be the entire reason you ever consider raising your prices, I can remember back, I was never $40 for a 90 minute session, but I can remember back like early 2008, 2009 at one point, I was a very, very low rate compared to what typically I would charge for the services I provide now. And I got to tell you, I had more people attempting to haggle my prices when I was on the cheaper end of the spectrum, as opposed to 
as soon as I dialed in the right influential communication, as soon as I started to activate the belief-shifting persuasion that needs to be there for someone to actually realize the value that you provide in a way that invites them to discover the value rather than you kind of bash them over the head with it in a hard sales closing strategy, it was then, you know, if it was something that was more custom and more one-to-one perhaps, and not quite like the team effort that we do nowadays in our consulting, but if it was like a one-to-one thing on a higher level ongoing, and let's put it out there, when that kind of thing would be a five-figure investment, it was not even a blink of the eye when they'd say yes, but then follow up with the, hey, can I wire that? Which oh, sure, if we don't have to get hit with credit card fees, love that. (laughs) You know, the cost of doing business is always the thing you've got to be aware of. Yet, again, different conversation. On the cheaper side, they were haggling more. And on the more sophisticated, ready-to-invest side, let's put it that way, these were the folks who were offering to jump through a couple of extra hoops just to make it easier on me. And that does play into this week's title of, again, How to Raise Your Rates, and have your audience love you for it. And I I tell you a quick thing here, which I'm actually behind the scenes. When I do these episodes, it's not that I script them out. Instead, you know, I will kind of storyboard some of the talking points. And I'm thinking of something right now that I think is going to illustrate this better, uh, which is actually to kind of walk you through a story of something that we recently did. And listen for the context of everything that's the moving pieces as to a specific example of ours, something that we did recently in our business to not just raise the price, but listen carefully how we made the decision to raise the price, but also a big part of this story, well, it's the word story. It's that we told the story as to how and why we were doing it. So this will reference the consulting that we do. It's a program called Hypnotic Influence for Premium Sales, taking the guesswork out of what to say and how to say it to consistently attract high-value clients to your business and having them saying yes even before you ask for the sale. That's kind of the big promise of that. And it's a done-with-you consulting program where I'm part of it, of course, but also we have a team. And the real reason I tell you some of these nuances, it helps to kind of amplify the journey that we went through as well as the decisions that we made and how we informed our audience along the way that, hey, something's about to change, here's what's up. Because I don't feel, if I may uh, psychoanalyze myself here in real time with an audience, thanks for joining me, it's that it's not that we kept the investment for the program the same for several months because of any sort of limiting belief. And really, I, I can be someone who can try to dive deep into stuff like that to go, Is there something holding me back? Is there something I don't yet believe myself? And sometimes it's the equation of figuring out, is this emotional? Is it tactical? I forget whose reference this is, is that sometimes it's either an emotional problem or a math problem. I think it was more that we'd kind of put our heads down and we focused on something else. And let's go scientific methods. Sometimes there is a benefit to go, let's leave this as the control. Let's only try to test so many different variables at a time. Otherwise, you can't quite figure out why something either started working better or perhaps why something stopped working when it worked before. 
So back to the story that I told at the opening that was a bit of an exception because the pricing clearly needed to change, yet the messaging, the influential structure, the belief-shifting persuasion had to be activated to then have her believe that she deserved to charge a whole lot more than what she was doing. And again, title of this week's episode, audience loved her for doing that. So again, it's not that I believe I was holding on to some sort of limiting belief as we kept the pricing the same for several months. It's more so that, this is uh, rationalization after the fact, let's go with that, <laughs> that we put our heads down and focused entirely on something else, the user experience. So a couple of things happened during this time period. We created the role in our company and put out you know, a job posting, went through applications, did a bunch of interviews to then bring on someone to our team as a client success specialist, that their specific job was consistently to track the map of the journey of our clients, doing everything we can to a reasonable ability without showing up in your homes and going, hey, did you do this thing yet that we talked about? Other than that, creating the opportunity where now there was a mechanism of accountability. And the person we brought on is phenomenal to the point that uh, she did rename her job. Uh, and I went, let's just call it director now. So client success specialist became client concierge director. We just love that word. And let me admit, by the second week, I was spelling the word concierge correctly. There's a C in the middle. It's not an S. You know, it's the little things, little things that matter. <laughs> so again, focusing entirely on the user experience and put someone in the specific task of mapping the journey of our clients, mapping the journey of our students, the people going through our consulting program. In addition to that, creating a new sequence of strategic one-to-one -one meetings, as much as the core of what we do, yes, is a group program, which has the great benefit of now seeing some of the persuasion principles applied to other businesses and seeing the flexibility. We have a bit of a varied audience inside of our world, yet adding on a strategic journey of metaphorically, it's our, everything we do is online these days, of like metaphorically holding your hand and walking you through the steps. And I'm going to use a word here that maybe is not the best word choice, but it's the one that we keep using. It's that how can we better gatekeep the journey of our people? Not to try to control them, but instead, you know, we were running into a scenario in the past where people would try to watch every video in the training library that explains the frameworks of such, and they were not implementing. So how can we better communicate with our people along the way so that there's this real sort of, I, I gotta give the reference here, which is not the best in inspirational metaphor, uh, but there's something very Pavlovian about this. Do this task, share the feedback, let's work on this, cool. <laughs> ring the bell, feed the dog, ring the bell, feed the dog. That's the story of Ivan Pavlov, classical conditioning, but it was training a system of where now, because you went through this meeting, you now watch this next video, you work on the draft of it your own, now you can schedule the next meeting, and it means you get to unlock the next part of the journey. So we spent a ton of time crafting that, that success path of our people, 
to really customize these belief-shifting persuasion principles specifically to their business, to what they do. This is kind of going back to the story I told at the beginning as to what I did with this person who, again, credit card story, industry leader, needed to be far more than $40 for not even an hour. I mean, $40 for an hour and a half, that's $30 an hour. I can do math, that math in my head. So creating opportunities for more hands-on feedback, creating opportunities for more customized support, and along the way, hey, it takes a village, uh, bringing on several new team members to the coaching team and hiring staff to actually monitor the discussions, the chat in our private community and create even more feedback mechanisms. The, the word that I kept using, this word is positive, I don't have to censor this word, touch points. And really this helped to expand our support, helped to better expand our group support. And, and here's the thing, this was all done to basically address the things we were listening out for. You know, we did this all based on listening to the feedback. In some ways, some of it was toward pleasure motivation. Some of it was away from pain. As we had conversations with people who were considering joining on and getting our getting our help and what we do, sometimes, some of you run into this in your businesses too, you hear stories. Oh, I went through this other program and that's what happened. And we took note of that. The client concierge team and I would discuss that and go, how do we prevent that situation? I can look at, <laughs> there's, there's a phrase that I've used a few times, which somehow the ambiguity of this sentence says more than, you know, listing everything I just talked about. I am someone who has been through enough group programs that sucked to build one that actually delivers on its promises. You know, and that was maybe version one of the story, yet it was, again, by listening to the stories that people would say, because sometimes they were sorting through past experiences. Oh, I don't want something like that because of what I've been through somewhere else. And they were crafting a comparison, and that informed us we needed to solve that problem in advance, and by doing so, also talk about it. Sales 101, satisfy objections, before they arise. So we did all of this based on listening to the feedback and the stories of people coming into our world and just becoming becoming massively passionate about preventing our people from getting stuck and really telling the clear story that, look, we're here for you and let's make this happen. And, and recently, uh, recently as this podcast episode releases, we did something in our marketing which is we told the story about everything I've been talking with you about so far and mentioned from a very logical place, we hit a point where it kind of became necessary to raise the price. We had left the price the same while we worked on all the other variables. And because of the team, we hit a point where like that was the only option was if we raise the price this, but here's the thing. Here's why, if you go back to the disclaimer about don't just raise the price because you want more, uh, we told the story as to everything we had done. Based on feedback, we tweaked the messaging of what we talked about. We adjusted where we metaphorically shine the spotlight, talking about even what we do. And, and again, listen to this carefully. It wasn't 
the typical things. It was we were telling the story as to why this change was occurring. Influence 101 is this one simple sentence. All you need is a because. So to the story I told in the opening today, it was because she told the story of really what she actually was. She was the industry leader that she was the person that if they worked with someone else, there were pieces of what she discovered, what she had learned and earned that they were then using. She was the guru at the, the top of that pyramid there. Uh, and she did it. We make, we make sure we, we tweaked it in a way that it wasn't, don't book with them. No, book with me instead. We were never doing it in a way that would ever offend or cut off the relationships or even hurt the businesses of her many students. Instead, it was a way that would amplify, here's why she's that price. And one of the emotional blocks that I will say was there was that well, if they can't afford me, they're not going to get the help they need. And one of the epiphanies, this may be a side note to this, how to raise your prices and have your audience love you. One of the epiphanies she had was to go, oh, wait, because she was the founder, she should be the more valuable option. And if they can't afford her, guess what? She's got this network of nearly a thousand people who do some of the things that she teaches. And one of them would be a great fit. And I chatted with her about how do we how do we transfer a rapport to someone else and not let it be a I can't type thing? So again, influence 101. All you need is a because. I helped her to craft the because in some way, mostly for her, yet also similar to the story I just shared with you. She told the story as to where, hey, the world's a different place. I started charging, in her case, $40 for an hour and a half this many years ago, uh, very, very long time. And clearly the cost of living has gone up. And so in her words, this was the hook. This was one of the belief shifts that was activated. And so now, so she can continue doing the work that she does, that she's so clearly passionate about and continue to inspire a new wave of people in her industry using her methods. It was about time that she brought the pricing up to a level that reflected the experience that she has and the quality of the service. There was not one bit of pushback. People booked with her more. And the part that even I was cautious about to be, uh, to be very direct here was that she had some of her existing clients who saw this announcement and they were completely fine paying the new rate. She was convincing herself that, no, they got to be grandfathered in. No, because they saw the passion behind the message they were okay with the fact that now they were paying more. And just like her story, as we telegraphed the reasons why we made the change that we made, yes, we had a rush of new people coming into our program and they came in ready to invest in themselves because they also knew why this was going to be different. We spoke to their desires. We spoke to their pain points. We activated what I say is the three-part system of how to attract pre-sold clients. It's the belief shifting persuasion in terms of how do we respectfully and ethically shift the criteria upon which people are using to make their own decisions. And yes, sometimes it's true if you can't yet sell yourself on the fact that what you do is so valuable, how could you ever convince someone else of it either? That's what happens inside of that belief shifting persuasion. 
Next phase, automatic yes offer to communicate the value of what you do in a way that, again, telling does not always equal selling, that through talking through the journey of what you help people to do, what problem you solve, they're the ones crafting the educational story and activating what I call a subconscious sales system where they are mentally rehearsing the sales process for you even before you ask for the sale. And the pre-sold client attraction system where now, how do we take the guesswork out of activating this metaphorical set it and forget it mentality that no matter what content you're putting out there, if it's a podcast like I'm clearly recording right now, or a video, or a webinar, or a blog post, social media post, fill in the blanks. You know, it's not so much the platform, it's more the communication here, yet taking the guesswork out of what to say and how to say it, how really, once this is dialed in, even if there's a promotional event, it's a matter of only tweaking a few little elements, because the guesswork of how to amplify the value of what you do is completely removed, the guesswork is gone, And instead, what you've actually done is dialed in the messaging that now speaks directly to their needs, to their desires, and their wants. So yeah, admittedly, I did take this episode in a slightly different direction than even even I predicted. And uh, stay tuned because we may turn what I actually prepared into another episode in the coming weeks and months. But let's just take a moment here and let me call something out that notice that I didn't spend this week's episode with some of the things you might have expected, like, uh, you know, create scarcity. You know, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about creating some sort of false trigger where you've seen this before. This is only good for the next 12 people. And then you see there's like 50 inside of it and you're found out with your pants down. Metaphorically, marketer speak. (laughs) This wasn't about, oh, end the price with a seven in the price with the five. This was not, and no disrespect to this, this was not about doing some sort of um, price drop or doing the uh, offer stack of you get this and it's this value, this and then it's that value. Can I just tell you, there are very specific audiences that I have found don't respond as well as you would like to that offer stack strategy that others would teach where it's like, here's the big volume of stuff. If you bought it all, it would be this price. You and I both know. It never would have been that price, but here's the big price. And instead, if you act now, you know, we didn't talk about coupon codes, brief promos, fast action bonuses. Even as I was recording this for you, it shifted more to story. It it shifted more to, again, the big promise of this week's episode. How do you raise your price and have your audience love you for it? Well, you over deliver in such a way to show how much you truly care. That's a big part of it. That's how some of that pricing becomes completely inconsequential. And yes, you'll hear me sometimes say this, even those of you that we're working with, how in some scenarios, and listen to this and put every ethical screening on this sentence before I say it, there do come some moments where they're already saying yes, they're already ready to join, and it becomes a courtesy that you're then telling them what they're going to spend, how much they're going to invest. The key to this is you need to communicate in a way to have your audience now selling themselves, how even your perhaps premium priced program, your high ticket thing perhaps, is now actually priced like a bargain. 
Thank you for listening to Attract Pre-Sold Clients, where you get strategies proven to work in businesses around the world. I'm Jason Lynette, and if you're ready to crush the confusion of what to say and how to say it to consistently attract your dream clients, check out our free resources today at attractpresoldclients.com.